Welcome to Explore the Space. We're digging into healthcare issues that matter most. Our guests and conversations mine these issues for perspective and answers. There is a gulf between healthcare and our communities. This is the place to talk about it. Now here's your host, Dr. Mark Shapiro. Welcome to the Explore the Space podcast 2020 year-end finale episode. I am your host, Mark Shapiro. Delighted you could be here to join me. This is a fantastic conversation. We have Dr. Kimberly Manning joining us, and it is just an absolute treat of an episode, a great way to wind up the year and to look forward towards what is to come. Before we get to our conversation with Dr. Manning, a quick comment. This is the first year that I have had sponsors on Explore the Space. It took me a long time to kind of think through the process by which I would want to collaborate with the sponsor and to choose the right sponsors. And I'm really happy with the organizations that I'm working with who are sponsoring Explore the Space. So first off, a thank you to Lori Bedke and Creighton University for sponsoring this episode. Creighton University believes in equipping physicians for success in the exam room, the operating room, and in the boardroom. If you want to increase your business acumen, deepen your leadership knowledge, and earn your seat at the table, Creighton's healthcare executive education is for you. Specifically tailored to busy physicians, our hybrid programs blend the richness of on-campus residencies with the flexibility of online learning. Earn a Creighton University Executive MBA degree in 18 months or complete the non-degree Executive Fellowship in six months. Visit www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E to learn more. And thank you also to Vave Health for sponsoring this episode. Vave believes that personal ultrasound is the future of medicine with an aim to empower both clinicians and patients. From an affordable wireless device to the industry's first all-inclusive upgrade plan to built-in support with Vave Assist, their mission is to move the needle on ultrasound use in every clinical setting. Don't forget to check their site for details on their free virtual ultrasound educational events, otherwise known as hashtag VaveEducasts. The next one will be on Thursday, January 21st at 3 p.m. Pacific. You can go to www.vavehealth.com backslash live for more details. That's V-A-V-E health.com. Dr. Kimberly Manning is our guest in this episode. This is actually the second year in a row she has closed out the year. She has been our finale guest, and I'm so happy she came back. Dr. Manning is a professor of medicine and the associate vice chair of diversity, equity, and inclusion at Emory University School of Medicine. She's a busy physician. She's a teacher. She's a coach. She's a mentor. She's an extraordinary writer and thinker and a voice on social media, mostly on Twitter, at Grady Doctor. And this was just a great opportunity to talk with one of the foremost thinkers and guides through a tumultuous year to reflect a little bit on what we've been through and also look ahead and make ready. Both Dr. Manning and I are in the same place that turning the calendar doesn't really change much. We need to be ready and agile and prepared. 2021 will bring its own array of challenges. And she's just an extraordinary person to have join us and and bring this year to a close and set the stage for next year. Please do check out the full archive of Explore the Space podcast at www.explorethespaceshow.com. Email me anytime, mark at explorethespaceshow.com. Hit me on Twitter at ETS show. And please do subscribe to Explore the Space podcast wherever you like to download your shows and leave us that rating and review. It really helps us out. So without further ado, Dr. Kimberly Manning. Kimberly, welcome back to Explore the Space podcast. I am so happy you are here to help us wrap up 2020 and move into 2021. Thank you for coming. Thank you for having me. It's always fun to spend time with you. It's been a weird year, Kimberly. 
it's been a really weird, difficult, hard. I laugh because I'm scared and nervous and sad and all of those emotions. It's that defense mechanism. Off. It's been a year. Yeah, it's been rough for a lot of us. But, you know, I think I, I like to think of it as a pivotal year. You know, a, a period where uh, we've grown a lot, we've seen a lot, we've learned a lot, um, things that we never thought that we could survive, you know, that we are surviving. I think we, uh, we've we all sort of developed a, a, a newer empathy for each other that probably uh, was somewhere down inside of us, but 2020 needed to pull out. So I don't know, you know, I'm a... <laughs> eternal optimist. I try to find the little pockets of light in the darkness. I am too. And I want to just also acknowledge that I am a pragmatist as well. And when you use that pronoun, we, how expansive is it with the new empathy? You paired it with the we, and I'm just curious, how expansive is that we? Is it all of us? Is it our community on med Twitter? Is it the docs in the team that you work with at Emory? Kind of who makes up that we? Oh, that's a good question. You know, you know what? Can I, can I just as a sidebar say you you always have some really good questions. <laughs> well, you say great <laughs> stuff and I got to pick up on it. Uh, you know, that, that was you know, I had to put that in there to give me also some time to think about. What I was <laughs> uh, but but you know what? I, I would like to say that it is expansive. I mean, you know, as I think about my identity as a black woman, um, of course, like obviously, to some degree, I think about uh, for those of us who've been othered, some of the events of 2020 have caused the rest of the world to have a, a different kind of empathy to sort of see some of the the things that people have been experiencing. And by people, I mean, you know, people of color and from marginalized groups to, to see it in a different way and to say, oh, damn, I didn't realize all of that was happening or this is what it was like to be you. But I also think, you know, that, that isn't just limited to doctors and it isn't li- just limited to people who are not um, underrepresented. I think also within our own groups, right? Um, for example, I think for myself as a as a physician, I think I now think even different about the economy and how something as simple as, you know, a bus line not running the same way, how that affects my patients, how that affects people around me. Um, I had kind of thought about it some, but I think this unique empathy is that I feel like I th- it was just all thrown into relief by 2020. I mean, and sure, you know, there are some some people and some <laughs> evidence of places where maybe folks didn't really get it. Uh, maybe they didn't, you know, get the take on the opportunity to become more empathic in 2020. But I'd like to believe that the majority of us did. And that isn't just doctors. It's like doctors, non-doctors, colleagues, family, medical students, even people that didn't know what it was like for us to work in healthcare. I think now sort of think about what it means for me right now to be working on the hospital service, which is different than it was before 2020. For me, the thing that defines that and is helpful just like you described that it is big and it is inclusive, it's also very imperfect, is the election turnout Mm -hmm. and the fact that 81 million plus Americans voted for a new day. People will also say, well, 70 plus million Americans didn't. They wanted it the same. And and they're absolutely right. And that is super frustrating. But if you look back at the election of 1860, when Lincoln was elected, that was a hotly contested election, right? The election of 1864 was in doubt until Atlanta fell. These elections are always so close. Mm -hmm. We are always a country where 
the mixture is really tight and there's always that tension. It, it kind of keeps with that tradition. It's clearly a space where we can improve. But for me, it's that fact that there's 81 million who voted and that's a that's the biggest number ever. Quite honestly, that's the one that when I look at everything that there's that hope because that's a big number. And also even within, you know, the millions of people who, you know, did not vote in the direction of our um, ultimate outcome. Right. You know, they're all individuals. Every one of those 81 million people, every one of those 70 something million people, they're individual people. Yeah. Who had, um, I mean, I would like to believe that have individual thoughts and ideas and reasons behind what they do. Some of those reasons are things that I strongly um, don't agree with. Right. Some some of them may be things that it was just one piece that was a deal breaker for a person that they just said, hey, you know what? I I can't do it. And and the reason why I'm saying that um, is because of this unique empathy. Right. Because for us to move forward and for us to, you know, get things done, we have to be in spaces where we're hearing each other and talking to each other and having conversations. Sometimes I just find myself getting so frustrated and so mad with what someone says or does that I I don't leave a space for us to still have a conversation. Like I shrug my shoulders and like, oh, you, you know, you're ignorant. Ha ha, you know. And again, you know, we, we have to keep dialogue going and open. Um, so, yeah, I have hope about that. And I also I have hope about the 81 million people, but I also have hope about how we've learned about the importance of seeing each other, um, communicating and just trying to have more honest dialogue, even though it's a little painful sometimes. So speaking of dialogue, I was talking with some friends yesterday via text and we were the topic of exceptionalism came up. Oh, and snap. one of the things that we were debating was this idea of American exceptionalism and the exceptionalism of California, where I live. And what this year has really made specific is where we as a community are still exceptional and where we think we are, but are not. Mm-hmm. And I actually, I, I know I shared with you before we started that I didn't script it. I never script my shows, but I didn't even have an outline for my conversation. But that was something I wanted to ask you. What still after 2020 and looking into 2021, what still feels exceptional? Oh, yeah, it's a (laughs) there's some dents in the armor. Yeah, there are. You know, I I think and this is probably going to sound corny, but, you know, I'm a. I, I like to look at history and um, and the resilience of people um, to give me hope. And I think that that didn't go away. And, you know, you don't want to have to have trauma to teach you certain things. Right. You don't want to have to rise out of the ashes all the time. Um, but. That's a great way of putting it. You really don't. And it feels like, gosh, that's what this year feels like. It feels like we've had to get up out of the burned down ashes of some catastrophe over and over, literally in Northern California because of the wildfires. Like that's a great way to put it. But the human spirit is still, there is still hope there. And that, and that to me is still an exceptional thing. I mean, I just, I still think that that is an exceptional thing. Like uh, let's, let's talk about like medical students, for example, right? about all of the times when people have made it seem like, oh, this generation, you know, all they want to do is go home and have an extra off day and they're not like we were. And I mean, man, 
you talk about innovation, you talk about selflessness and hard work and rolling up sleeves and getting in there. I mean, medical students were such a great example of that, at least in healthcare. And and so again, to, to me, there's just there just this these pockets of the human spirit and what we can do when we really just decide, hey, you know what, we're gonna we're gonna just make this happen. And so now I'm I'm excited about how things that we never really, or for example, people that we never look to uh, to lead us, maybe it'll shake up what leadership looks like. It's, it'll flatten the hierarchy out some more. It'll have us look to students for innovation more, to sit on some of the committees that used to be, you know, way high up in the C-suite with nobody, you know, junior in it. I think the human spirit is a, is a piece that is still exceptional. Even in the face of a lot of ugly, they're just still these spaces of where we look and we say, you know what, nah, this is not how we gonna go out. I agree with you about medical students. One of the things that I would love to see happen, and I don't know if it happens, is for other Americans to take heart in these things that are exceptional, these pockets of exceptionalism, as you say. That's where I kind of feel like sometimes the siloing of med Twitter. I just I don't know how much it reaches out, but I know that there are exceptional med students out there. The other place for me that's exceptional that I'll just share with you, because as you were talking, I was kind of doing the same work. Climate activists. They've never been more robust. They've never been more articulate. They've never been more diverse. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now, my gosh, not not to mention the, the critical need for it, but boy, does it seem like they're ready to, to really impact what we all do and what we all see and feel. That's one of the places that feels exceptional for me, that after all of the pushback from the biggest corporate and political entities on the planet, that we still have a robust climate change activism cohort right that's that's exceptional and you know what's dope also is that this kind of goes back to what we said again about the unique empathy right it, that 2020 has, has has evolved us into there were people who never even really thought about climate in terms of their decision making as you know as as registered voters right they were yeah. most thinking about jobs and, you know, what's happening to my people and stuff like that. But we've broadened the scope of of what these leaders look like, what why you should care about it, even something as simple as individuals who have changed the way that they eat and the way that they live, thinking about, you know, the, uh, future generations. Those people, quite, quite frankly, they, they, they used to kind of look a certain way, right? We had this idea of who those folks were. And now we see that uh, again, with time and with more exposure and maybe us sitting still and not running here and there, we slow down long enough to be able to think about, hey, wait a minute, this is something that's important to me too. And this is something that I should care about too. Um, so I, again, that's just like another example of sort of a unique empathy broadening to people who didn't think about certain things before that now it's it's on their radar. One of the things that comes up with empathy, though, is it moves sometimes in lockstep with sadness. Mm-hmm. And I think it's important that for us to be able to write the one of the reasons I wanted to have you on to end the year so we can look forward into 2021. You know that I love resharing episodes on social media whenever I have the opportunity. And so I want this to be one that we can reshare. But yeah. I think for us to do that right and to have the right momentum, I think it is also important to call out just how much sadness there's been this year and acknowledge it. I still don't know what to do with the sadness that I carry. Do you? You know, you know, sadness is not a new thing. I mean, I'll be honest with you. I mean, 
and and I and again I'm coming from my perspective as a black American. It's it this is this is a lot of sucker punches at one time. I mean with COVID-19 and social injustice and all of these things sort of coming down at the same time when we can't go out and hug each other. But you know what? There's this there's this um line from an old rap song. It's one of my favorite songs. Rapper's Delight, one of the first rap songs I ever learned. Oh, yeah. Right. The part of the song that is actually a a play on a biblical verse um, that says there's a time to laugh, a time to cry, a time to live and a time to die, a time to break and a time to chill, to act civilized and act real ill. You know, and whenever when I think about that, you know, I think about, you know, how joy and pain and, you know, uh, all of those things, they, they sort of work together. And and so what I do with the sadness is that um, I take it and I stick it in my pocket and I, 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 I take it and I just say, hey, you know what, what will I do with this experience to help me to live in a different way? You know, the part like this year that I thought about a lot is that a time to break and a time to chill, to act civilized and act real ill. You know, in my role in academic medicine, um, there have definitely been times this year where I've been like, I need to be brave in what I say. I, I need I need to I need to to look at my unique identity as a black woman from Inglewood, California, you know, who went to HBCUs. And I need to I need to I, I, I need to break, you know. I might need to be real ill in this moment and say and say what I need to say. So I I, I feel like the sadness, it's like it's like how what sadness does to art, you know, Mark, like where some of the most beautiful, meaningful art comes out of sorrow. And uh, and I think activism and and change and innovation can also be born out of both necessity and sorrow. So I just feel like I'm kind of using it for greater good. It's good to know that as you're doing it, you acknowledge the role that you have in the way that you and I'm referring to you specifically, Kimberly, the way that you are seen and perceived, because there are a number of people who have emerged as critical leaders and touchstones over the last several years, you know, not just on social media, not just in medicine, just in my, my, my life, my world. And you're one of those people where, you know, guidance, advice, understanding, you know, different perspective, all of those sorts of of adjectives. You're one of those people. And I would submit that you probably are for a lot. Are you comfortable with that? Yes. Good. Good. (laughs) Well, I mean, and don't get me wrong. I don't mean like this self-important idea of what I am, but I am, I'm, I'm so myself right now, man. Yeah. I'm so myself right now. And that wasn't always the case. You know, my my story is kind of unique in that, um, as I already mentioned, I'm from Inglewood, but my neighborhood was predominantly black. Um, I went to Tuskegee, which is historically black. I went to Meharry, which is also historically black. And I was 25 years old. The first time I was ever in an environment where it wasn't predominantly black people. And that was when I started my residency. And my residency was good. I mean, people were kind to me, but I I, I quickly found myself in this space where I needed to sort of tone down who I was, you know, because that isn't what was being celebrated. And so I spent, you know, pretty much four years plus a chief year really working hard at code switching and just trying to be. Um, and, 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 you know, for whatever it's worth, I was, 
I was being rewarded for for what I was doing there. So I thought, oh, this is how you succeed in a predominantly, you know, majority space. You you present yourself in a way that will be most palatable to the large group. And is I know that code not- switching is that I want to make sure that everyone understands you use that term. And I think I understand it. But it, what you just described, is that what you mean when you say code switching? Yeah, that's what I mean. Okay. And I- and 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 I want to even like break that down even further. So because there's probably somebody listening that says, I mean, when I see, you know, a senior faculty member, I talk differently to them than I talk, you know, to my best friend. Of course, we all do that. And I get it. I get formality and informality. But imagine if, you know, you're a resident and, you know, you formal on rounds with your attendings and everything. But then you get into the resident lounge with all your peeps where you know everybody and you guys are hanging out on the couch and, you know, running the list and eating a pierogi or whatever the heck you eat. And, and you get to be your whole self in that moment. But for me, I am having to, you know, maybe, you know, you know, soften the edges on, 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 on some of my Inglewood and some of my, you know, my, my Tuskegee and my Meharry, right? Because again, this is, this is not what is the, it's other. So, and I don't want to be other. But but what that does is it eats up so much cognitive space and so much emotional space that you you are exhausted by the time you get home. You get you get home and you're like, okay, let me read real quick about you know foot drop, and then fall asleep because I don't, I don't have time to really do anything else. I'm so mentally tired from being on you know that that and code switching that it, that it takes a lot out of you and and right now i think i'm in this space where i'm really trying to be myself i'm really trying hard to sort of break people into formal and informal settings into you know um familiar and unfamiliar and and not holding back on what is what is me and and I want to celebrate what is you too. Now, so, I, so I'm not necessarily saying I want you to you know to only see me as a black woman. I want you to see me, but but I want to know I want to know all about you too. I want to know the difference between you know what it is to be Igbo and what it is to be Yoruba. I want to know what your family did for Diwali. I want to know what your family did on Eid at the end of Ramadan and and what it was like for you and how that differs for your family who's Pakistani from somebody else's family who is not. I want to know about your your Jewish traditions. I want to know what it was like if you married somebody who wasn't Jewish and what y'all do to blend your family. I want to know about all of that. And and what that means is that when we get into these spaces where we're bringing our entire selves to work, we, we can get so much more work done because nobody's hiding. So I just try to ask that nobody act as if who they are is the gold standard culturally or, or anything. Um, that goes for for all of us. And so now I'm in this space right now, Mark, where I'm just myself, you know, I am so myself. So if you around me and we get cool, at some point you're going to hear me speak in my first language, which is African-American vernacular. That is, that that is, that is, if I'm working out or if I'm on a run and I'm coaching myself, I'm probably talking to myself that way because that's me. And I, and I want to be able to do that. I need to be able to do that so that I can take better care of patients, students, my community, everybody, because I'm not going to waste up all my cognitive energy on something else. I hope that makes sense. It makes perfect sense. I will say one of the things that I hope for somewhere in 21 or 22 
I want to go on a run with you. I'm so excited about that. When, when you came on the show last year, we talked about the Ragnar relay and you'll occasionally post pictures of yourself on a, on a run. I'm like, dude, I want to go for a run with Kimberly so bad. We'll have such a good time. So I just want to put that out there that like I'm booking time on a run sometime. If I get to Atlanta, we're going to go for a run. It'll be awesome. Mark, my, my, um, I have, you know, one thing I could say definitely about 2020 is that, um, I don't know about other runners. Some runners I know who have like gotten much faster and stronger during COVID. I, I have just not, I am, I, it has been a really, um, because it may be because I'm a, you know, a medical doctor, I'm very goal oriented. So I've always been somebody who's like, okay, I'm training for this half marathon. Boom. I'm training for the Ragnar. Boom. But it, there hasn't really been anything to train for. So mm-hmm. run really slowly, then um, we'll have a blast. Hey, I am, I am a very slow runner. I'm a, my friend, Michelle, who she's done the bad water a couple times. Her phrase is relentless forward motion. That's just, <laughs> I just keep moving. It ain't fast, but I keep going. That's right. But, but as you were describing, right, that whole self and being able to express yourself in that manner, yeah. that's exceptional. And I think that the idea of there being some sort of gold standard of behavior, I think that that idea of, again, some sort of homogenized ideal American I think we've come to learn, maybe I'm late to the game in learning this, that this is nonsense. The exceptionalism comes in embracing everyone around you and the various components of their world and life because that that will elevate you and it will elevate your performance, your team's performance. It'll elevate your community, all of those sorts of things. And I don't say that as a platitude, like that really is the rocket fuel. Hearing you articulate it really reinforces that. That's the exceptionalism. It's not some idealized entity. It's, It's the everything. It's the unique components that we can all bring to the table. Yeah, I mean, but it, it, it takes a lot of work. It takes a lot it of work. Takes people that are in, you know, senior positions or who have influence to 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 present themselves as who they are to yeah. permit other people to do the same thing, you know. So every message that you get, if every time you, you know, you see somebody who like on paper looks like you, you're like, oh, okay, okay, wow, we have all these things in common. And then every time you see this, you know, black woman speaking or anything, you see no trace of 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 the culture as we like to refer to it. You start to think that, oh, well, for me to reach that rung on the ladder, then I I, I need to tone me down. And um, I, I, I'm just hoping people will will get to a space where we don't do that as much anymore. And, I, you know, it, this is all like very, uh, you know, I told you I'm an optimist and I can be sort of not as much of a pragmatist as I should be. But, I, you know, I, I think the truth is that there has been a lot of privilege that people have experienced in being who they are and to create space for, you know, us to redefine what is a leader, what is the dean, the chair or whatever, it's going to cause somebody else to move out of a space. You know, if it's only so many musical chairs, somebody got to get out of a chair. And I think that this is all fine and good until people have to get out of chairs. <laughs> um, so like, yeah, you know, I, I do think there's a kind of a, a difficult piece to some of this, you know, bringing your whole self into spaces thing that um, is yet to be reckoned with. It's good that you and I are having that this specific conversation, because as you're saying that, what I hear is 
and I, I don't mean this to say to imply that you were in any way accusing me, but when you're saying that there are people that have privilege, and I'm paraphrasing you a little bit, I don't remember exactly how you said it, but that idea of there are people who do carry that privilege, like that's me. And I and I've learned to better understand and take ownership of that. I'm a white male American physician. I carry a lot of privilege just by being those things, period, end up. You don't even have to look at a picture of me, meet me, hear my voice. That carries a ton of privilege. I better understand that now. And part of owning it is doing exactly what you just said. It's seeing where are the chairs that I'm sitting on and which ones do I not need to sit on anymore. And that's been a really good exercise. It's not something that I discuss publicly because it's work related right? in terms of like the actual steps that I've taken. But it is a really good thing to just be able to look at the big CVs that we're all really proud of and be like, do I still need to do that? Like, where's the meaning that I'm deriving from that? Can someone do it better? And is it better for the organization and the community if we start to elevate other leaders who bring different perspectives? Amy, and Tenko talked about that when she was on the show a couple of weeks ago. Mm-hmm. Uh, you you got to have some turnover. You got to have some churn because it brings those different voices in and part of the privilege that so many of us carry. And I think part of the maturation process is to understand it, that with that privilege doesn't mean you get to go full Scrooge McDuck and sit on it like piles of gold. You got to move some of it out and let others share in it. Yeah. And I, I loved Amy's comments. I was really I, I loved that episode, actually. Holy and smokes. Wasn't Amy amazing? She was awesome, especially this thought of, you know, having a finite period of time for somebody to be in a space. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, again, I, I think that whenever we have these conversations, we need to step on our own toes, too. You know, yeah. I acknowledge that there are people who have different kinds of privilege historically than I than, than me. But, you know, I have some privilege, too. I, I was you know, born into a household with college educated parents. I went to um, college. I became a doctor. I live in a, you know, a, a nice home where if something happens to me and I need to isolate, I can isolate in my house in a bathroom that nobody uses. Me and my husband talked about, you know, in the in the face of this this pandemic, you know, maybe we should think about sending our kids to private school. You know, get you up. Know, and, and these are conversations that some people just cannot have at all. They can't even think about. And even even as we think about people getting vaccinated, right, for COVID nineteen, there are so many vaccines, right? There there's so many doses of the vaccine, and somebody's going to get it, and then there will be be a point where we have to think about who gets it, right? So, you know, I think we all have privilege that um, when you actually distill it down to you getting something means somebody else is not. That 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 puts our feet to the fire. And I do think it's a good exercise for everybody to do. That includes people from marginalized groups, but who have privilege within their marginalized group. And there are there are a lot of people like that. It's these shared exercises just make us more connected because it's something else that we've kind of done together. And it's just that a different touch point. And on that same vein, it, you know, as we you and I could talk for hours, we don't want to do that because people can only jog or commute for so long. I want us to just spend a little time in sort of a shared experience as well of how do we get ready for this new year? People have talked a lot about, you know, let's get rid of 2020. It's the worst year ever. 2021 is going to be better. I'm not actually a huge fan of of the calendar flip yeah. being a, a marker of change. It's it's the actions and the energy that we all put out that are going to make it different um, yeah. in as much of the parts that we can control. So acknowledging that, I'm curious to hear from you where what is something that you feel like you're doing really well that you want to continue to do well slash get better at 
in parallel, where is something that you would like to work harder to improve as we move into the next calendar year? Because it's the, it, for me, it's that sort of work that's going to make the next year better than this year in some fashion. Again, acknowledging that we don't control everything, mm-hmm. but w- where is something that you feel like, you know what, I'm, I'm really doing well at this and I want to keep going and get better at it. And this part, that's an area that I can improve. And I'll do the same. I'll share the same. <laughs> Good. That's only fair. Do you already know yours, Mark? No, I don't. I got to think about no. it. I, like I said, I didn't have an outline on this. Like this was, <laughs> this is just what comes up, man. You bring out all these great questions. Okay. Um, all right. So you can do one and then I'll do one. How about that? Yeah, let's do that. All right. yeah, let's, I, we'll, we'll start with the thing that's going okay. Okay, cool. And it gives the listeners a chance to think about theirs too. And I'll encourage people to ping us on social media at ETS show at Grady doctor. Let us know what are the things that you feel like you're doing well and where are the places you feel like you want to get better as we move into 2021. Yeah. And, and um, actually in response to what you said about the calendar flip thing, like, yeah, you know, man plans and God laughs, you know, 2021 <laughs> waiting to just punch you right in the jaw, totally. you know, and I'm like, <laughs> no, do not, do not put all your eggs in the 2021 basket. Oh, for sure. <laughs> so what, what I will first start by saying is that, you know, I turned 50 this year and I have definitely learned that no day is promised to you. And what I do very well is I, I'm I'm very, very present and I'm very intentional with each moment as much as I can. Um, I'm not perfect at it, but I think it's something that I, I do better than some people. I'm a, um, I have a habit of reflection. You know, I think about all the things that are happening to me around the hospital sometimes and in my life. You know, I walk into my son's room and, you know, sit on his bed and he's, you know, four, my youngest son is 14 years old now. I'll lean over him. I'll stick my face into his hair and inhale and just just be in the moment, the essence of, of this is my child. He's here right now. Um, I love him. I'm fortunate. And then I'll go to my next son's room and I will do the same thing. Just have a moment. And so I think presence is something that I've 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 done well. And, you know, I, I do think that we everybody's sort of talking about the stress of 20, um, 2020. But um, I think and I mentioned I had, a, I had a conversation with Shreya Trivedi about this before, about this idea that there's post-traumatic stress, but there's post-traumatic growth that is very well described in people after trauma. And I have seen so many examples of post-traumatic growth um, in 2020, um, but also in my own life, you know, the death of my sister in 2012, other experiences that I've had that I, I, I think that just if we are just present and say on this day, this is good and this is what I'm going to do with this day. I think that's a thing I'm proud of. I will start with where do I need to get better? Because it's exactly what you just said. I'm not good at that. I am struggling with that, with being present in the moment and not not thinking about the four dimensional chess of how does this fit in with work, family, life, podcast, what's happening, you know, the FOMO on social media. I get into a a bit of a spin and I do think it distracts me. And I think earlier in our conversation, you talked about how code switching burns up a lot of bandwidth Mm -hmm. that that spin that I get into. It's not code switching, but that spin of expectation, whatever it is, it burns up a lot of my energy and I'm tired at the end of the day. And what you just described of that present 
that sense of presence, mm-hmm. that's a place where I need to work. And quite honestly, the biggest barrier for me that I have full control over and I acknowledge is I'm on my phone too much. I'm just on my phone too much, whether it's checking Twitter or flipping through pictures or what Peloton rides have posted today that I want to do tonight <laughs> or texting. I'm on it too much. And it's it definitely distracts me. So, so, so like, let me tell you something um, as a person with a habit of reflection that I think of every time I listen to your podcast, when the podcast opens, I hear a woman's voice who happens to be your wife. Am I correct? Yep. Okay, so every time I hear her voice say, welcome to explore the the space, I think to myself, that's Mark's wife. How lovely is it that she opens his podcast? Every time he listens to his podcast, he hears his wife say that. Wow, I remember the episode where they talked about her experience, you know, with breast cancer. And wow, how cool is it that she opens this up and how triumphant is it? And then I remember, and they have a little boy and their little boy. I remember last year, Mark talking about running with his little boy and making him smile and laugh. I wonder if one day Mark will like have his son laughing or something on the, um, they should have both of them on there to opening up the show or something, take it away, daddy, or something like that. But in my head, I think every time I hear your podcast, literally, I always think really rapidly through all of those things. Especially, though, that your wife's voice, how how glad I am that it is and that she's okay. And I don't even know her. But when you develop a habit of reflection, it it becomes this thing that you do without even thinking about it. And and that 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 that's that's such a little tiny, simple thing that even if you're on your phone a lot, which I am, too, Mark, you can still fit that into like your daily practice. So you've completely wrecked me. <laughs> um, <laughs> thank you for that. Because I see you. And I think when you, you think you're doing these things and you feel like sometimes you put things out into like the universe, right? And you're like, who's listening? No, yeah, people are listening. They may not they may not post it on Twitter. They may not say. But I remember that. And I remember that it's your wife's voice. And like, it, you know, when you think about 2020 and people living and people dying, you know, as I told you, sorrow was happening before 2020. That did not come in with 2020. You know what I mean? Yeah. But there is triumph. There is like hope in that. Like, dang, how dope is it that that this this little moment of his wife and and then I, I love the idea of her like fanning your flame, saying, "I support this." Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. I just uh, you know that that's an example of what a habit of reflection looks like. And I swear I wasn't trying to make you you know emotional or cry. I was just kind of telling you what that looks like in real time when you develop that habit. <laughs> I really appreciate it. I really do. And it's a good reminder of, of how I can do it better. And I think also part of it is that setting of expectation that I'm not going to be in a meditative place all day. It's going to be those small moments. But what you just described is extraordinarily meaningful. And I really appreciate it. I am I composed. Would- I'm back together, I think. <laughs> I in a meditative space all day. I'm not. You know? I know. Totally. But that's a gift too, right? When we're not in that meditative space, we're being really productive and we're taking care of people and we're elevating our teams and we're doing lots of things that we know we do find meaningful. That's okay too. It's just finding that right balance. Um, and you have just really equipped me to make 2021 a different experience around that. And I'm so grateful to you for it. Now we can turn it around. It's For me, it's what is a place where I feel like I'm doing well and want to build on. 
And for you, it's where is an opportunity for improvement. I'm happy to go first if you want me to go first on round two. Okay. I think that one of the things that I have found myself being good at is – in this, in the isolation, in the lockdowns, I have been really good about reaching out and connecting and being kind. And so one of the things that I'm on my phone about, one of the reasons for that is I am checking in, texting, calling, pinging friends all the time. I text you. We've never even met in person. And I'm like, hey, Kimberly, what's up? Um, I am I am constantly kind of moving through my, my mental Rolodex of who have I not checked in with for a while. And then on Twitter, for me, the experience of acknowledging a cool achievement or seeing someone post something cool and tapping that red heart and clicking the green, right? These, you know, the green retweet and then saying congratulations. For me, that's really helpful. And I think that I know how it makes me feel when I see those. Those actions of just making sure that the small nugget of the galaxy that I inhabit, that I am extending as much as I can to those who I know and those who I don't, for me, I feel like it's it's good. And I'm comfortable in that space. I don't feel shy when I'm doing it. And I, I feel like that's a place where I can continue to really expand and continue to just do it. Yeah, I love that. Um. Let's see. I'm trying to think because there's so much I want to work on. I think um, one of the main things that I really it's a, it's, it didn't just start with 2020, but it's that I continue to try to work on, on is, you know, really fighting against my imposter syndrome. Um, this is going to make me cry. Um <laughs> You know, as awful as 2020 has been professionally, it's it's not been a bad year for me. And, um, you know, um, in one of my favorite books, this book called Heavy by Kia St. Lehman, he, he has this part where his grandmother says to him, don't you let them shoot you out the sky. And there have just been these moments where... I feel afraid, you know, I feel afraid um, or or that I'm not who people think I am, Um, you know, and I'll come up with all sorts of things like, oh, you know, maybe it's that I'm quick witted and that's what people like that combined with being a black woman, like makes me super memorable. And then I rage against that. Right. To say, no, that's not true. But there are times when that can be really paralyzing and it can hold me back from doing really important things that I think I should be able to do. Or even when I kind of overcome a hump, I'm, I'm, I'm too relieved, you know, and, and I don't, and I really, I think a little bit of that is good. I think that kind of keeps you humble. I mean, I don't think you should just be to the point where you think you can, where you don't, where you aren't unsure a little bit or that you don't have a tiny bit of a nervous disposition, but um, I want to do less of that. And I don't think it's going to happen in 2021. I think it's going to continue to be a work in progress, but I do think I'm better than I was. But I just find that when you succeed at something, that little imposter voice, it just comes out with like a vengeance. It's like, yo, (laughs) you suck, actually. (laughs) (laughs) You just wait until they shoot you out the sky. (laughs) 
And I just don't I don't want to be in that space because that eats up a lot of, you know, cognitive and emotional effort, too. And I want I just want to leave all of my cognitive effort and all of my emotional capacity for doing meaningful work, you know, as a physician, as a mom, as a teacher, as a community leader, as a writer, as a thinker. I don't want to waste it on trying to chuck myself under the chin all the damn time. Like, girl. <laughs> so I just, you know, I, that, that's something I'm really working on. Um, and I, and I, you know, I debated not saying it, um, but the reason I did say it is because I know I'm not the only person who feels that way. I just know I'm not. And if somebody's listening to this and they are like, wow, she feels like that. Yes. Yes, I do. And it is chronic and it is not acute. It's just in 2020, it was acute on chronic. Totally, totally. It was an acute exacerbation of some chronic inflammation for sure. Badly, because because good things, you know, happened professionally. Yeah, yeah. I appreciate you being so vulnerable around that. And I think my first reflex when I hear you say it, quite honestly, like I'm a fixer, my wife will say, and I've gotten better at that too, about just acknowledging and not just jumping in with solutions. But like, I want to jump in and be like, fuck that. Like, come on, Kimberly, (laughs) you're, you're, you're Kimberly Manning. Like, let's, let's go. How could, that's not the reality, right? It's that voice that says you suck. I hear it. We all hear it. We don't all hear it. It's, it's a unique experience for some people. It's there for some. It's not. I think, The only thing I can offer in that place of I don't want to offer a solution. I want to offer the question, the, the inquiry of what levers are there for you and for us to help you pull so that the you suck voice quiets. Right. It's not going to fuck off like we want it to. It just needs to be quiet. How do we how do we dim the volume a little bit? Well, you know, I think giving people the space to actually say it out loud, right? Because you normalize that other people feel this way, too. You know, I remember um, over the summer, Robbie Gia and Reza Manesh asked me to come on the um, Clinical Problem Solvers um, and do a case for their 100th episode. And they wanted me to join Gurpreet Dhaliwal. And I was absolutely, positively terrified, <laughs> horrified. And they had asked me to be on the show before and I had avoided it. But, you know, Gapreet is my friend. Yeah. And he reached out and said, oh, come on, we should do this together. It'll be so fun. But, you know, Gapreet Dollywall is Gapreet Dollywall, you know. Right. Yeah. I am, right? Yeah. And. I, 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 I mean, I've never had a panic attack, but if it was going to be a day to have a panic attack, it was when we logged into that and it was on their virtual morning report platform with all these eyes watching. And, and, and you know, I got through it. And when it was over, it was fine. But I hated how scared I was. I hated that. Hmm. Um, I hated how I felt like I was going to let a whole bunch of people down. Oh, gosh, I don't even know if they've ever had a black woman as a discussant of an unknown case. And I will be the one that uh, comes in and look stupid and oh my god Gapreet is gonna have to save me and I had all these things where like you know I wake up in the morning and do human diagnosis cases I I, I, I attend on the ward I read I think I read stuff on med twitter I don't know everything but I know stuff you know but I just I I couldn't and if and if they had called me that morning and said you know we decided to just let go with Gapreet only I would have been delighted <laughs> I would have been so happy but so I also think, you know, doing stuff scared 
is one of the things that I'm going to do more of. You know, that yeah, was that's good. That was something I did scared. I did that scared. And, you know, I, I think if we just go ahead and start stop avoiding some of the things where we could fail, I think I think that that's that's probably the the best panacea. But more people who are in influential places saying, hey, my hand is up. I have this going on on the daily, too. And I'm scared a lot and nervous a lot, too. It's not just you. Is it helpful to hear this? I'm going to I'm going to tell you something. It may be helpful. It may not. As you were discussing, you know, it's it's Gurpreet Dhaliwal. And, and I kind of laughed and said, yeah, because he's he is, you know, he's a person of some stature and we all love him. And he's he's very good at what he does. Is it helpful to also know that when people reach out to you, that they have the same feeling about it's Kimberly Manning? Like that's that's do you know who that is? Like that's that's her. It's it's Grady Doctor. Are you kidding? I have that same feeling when I'm like, I'm going to text Kimberly and see if she wants to come on the show. What do you guys think? What do you, hey, I check in with the brain trust. Should, should I close the year with Kimberly? Like, what do you, is that okay? Like, do you think she might say yes? You're in that same space. I don't know if that's helpful, but I do just want to share it. Yeah, you know, the, the problem is that, you know, it's it's it, it's such a layered problem, right? Because there are but people that- But why is it that- a problem? Why can't it be an opportunity? Well, wait, let me make sure I understand what you're saying. I say I think that when I say the problem is, okay. I say the the problem is, is that it, it isn't just um, as simple as, you know, knowing like there's some people that I do know um, care about me and, and think well of me. And um, those are people often that I turn to when I'm, you know, in a space where I'm in a bad do loop. But there are also like societal factors that play into our imposter syndrome. There are your imposter syndrome really is just trying to protect you from rejection, pain. Right. Um, and when you have seen examples or lived examples of things, then uh, uh, even the kindest words, the kindest affirmations don't shake it. Um, I hear that. I understand. I hear what you're saying. That makes sense. Thank you. Does that make sense? It totally does. And that's why I said I'm not sure if it's helpful because I think we have that reflex of when someone shares vulnerability, we yeah. either want us to say, oh, that's not real. That's unreasonable. You know, just tell it to go away or but you're so great. And like that was me kind of doing the latter, I think. And it's some in some cases it's helpful, but in some it can actually be a little bit reinforcing. Of, yeah, and, like, no, and, and, and let's be very clear, you know. Words of affirmation um, go a long way, you know, yeah, for people. Yeah. And, and I do think that, you know, you saying that one of the things you did well this year was offering affirmations to people. Well, I def- definitely think that 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 is a, a thing that does make a difference. But I, I, I do think that, you know, as I think about all of this, I, I think about what it means to have a growth mindset. Yeah. And um, I remember when you were talking to Amy, you were saying um, Crucial Conversations was your was your go to book. Mindset by Carol Dweck is mine. And I and I always think about focusing on effort, you know. And so the thing that does get me out of sort of my tailspin when I when I get in this space is I. I will have a conversation with myself about the effort that I put in. You know, I say, you know, you worked really hard at this. You, you know, before you, you logged in late with Mark because you were mentoring a student in Boston that you have never seen in person because another colleague asked you to. You, you've availed yourself to people in ways that, 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 that are above and beyond. And, you know, and you, and you, and you work at this. And so it might not go perfect. You may get a case and not have any idea about anything, but, you know, just do your best, man. And if you learn something, you know, that'll just be a new opportunity for you to grow some more. 
and to just do it scared. That's <laughs> just like that's uh, how I'm going in 2021. I'm I'm actually scared of 2021, but I'm going into it. I'm just going to do it scared. You just nailed 2021 for us. Honestly, like there's there's hard stuff to be done. It's going to be scary. And we're going to just have to do it anyway. And that's that's it. This is the work of the rest of our lives. And it's amazing how you are able to just crystallize these things as a reminder and as a call to action. That's just the best. Thank you for that. Well, you know, (laughs) (laughs) yeah, you know, like I said, you know, 2020 might be waiting around the corner, you know, ready to sucker punch us. And so. I, I, I definitely I will say 2020. I mean, not not 2020, 2021. Yeah, 2021. I respect you. Um, I do. So so don't don't worry. I, I, I respect you. Yep. So I'm walking into it with my eyes open, my dukes up, looking over to, around the corner. But I'm, I'm still walking forward into it. Uh, you've got a legion of people walking with you. We're going to have maximum situational awareness. We're going to be ready and we're going to work hard. And when we're scared, we're going to do it anyway. Kimberly, you are just one of the best. And this is so great. I'm so happy that you came on to close out the year with us. It's been a crazy, difficult, hard, sad, scary, extraordinary year. And we're going to move into another one that's going to be all of those things and more. And I'm just so glad that one of the people that I get to text and check in with and get feedback from is you. Thank you. Just thank you. And thank you for seeing me. I appreciate you. My thanks once again to Dr. Kimberly Manning for joining us on this 2020 finale episode of Explore the Space podcast. It's an honor to have her on this show. It's an honor to speak with her and learn from her. Just an absolute treat. Thanks again to our sponsors of Explore the Space podcast as well. First off, Lori Bedke and Creighton University. Learn more about Creighton's Executive MBA and Executive Fellowship programs at www.creighton.edu backslash C-H-E-E. And thanks also to Vave Health for sponsoring this episode. That's Vave with a V. Don't forget to check out their site for details on their free virtual ultrasound educational events, otherwise known as hashtag Vave Educasts. The next one is scheduled for Thursday, January 21st at 3 p.m. Pacific time. Go to vavehealth.com backslash live for more details or check out a link in the show notes. It's been a year that none of us will ever forget and that Explore the Space podcast has been able to play a small role in your moving through this time and place is an honor that I will never forget. I'm grateful to you for listening. Thank you so much. Take care of yourself over the rest of the holidays and over the new year. We will be back in 2021 with more incredible episodes. I cannot wait to get started. We will see you then. In the meantime, make sure you wear your masks, maintain physical distancing, avoid crowded indoor spaces, and take care of yourselves. We will see you in 2021. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to Explore the Space. Visit us on our website, explorethespaceshow.com. And please subscribe to our podcast on iTunes. Follow us on Twitter at ETS Show. And you can email Dr. Shapiro by writing to mark at explorethespaceshow.com.